We're going to get started. Uh, welcome, everybody. First, I'm going to ask God to set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Open my mind so I can see my old ideas and let go of them and live in your truth. Amen. Okay. A uh, few things. Uh, tomorrow night I started the big book over and I have the big book goals. And tomorrow we're going to uh, start with the cover and look at the big book and go through it. I'm going to do a meeting on the Oxford group and how we got what we got from them. I'm going to do one on how we got the big book, what books they used, how they put it all together, and the history, and we'll go through the book. Uh, Wednesday night, we finished uh, We Agnostics, powerful chapter. And on Wednesday night, we're going to start How It Works, and we're going to study the preamble. We'll probably only cover a paragraph or two. There's so much in what we read every meeting, How It Works. And today, we are on step six and seven in the big book, page uh, 76, which we're not going to read. I read it last week. It's two paragraphs on step six and seven. And we talked about how uh, the 12 of 12 says this is the step that separates the men from the boys. And to me, this is the whole deal, is step six and seven. We have our spiritual checklist and we have the handout. And I read the story about Mary and dropping the rock last week. Anybody remember that? Good. Somebody remembers something. And then we read uh, Sandy Beach. Um, how uh, at the end of his talk in 1976, he talks about dropping the rock, our old ideas. And today we're going to start on uh, this uh, page. This is actually the introduction to the book, Drop the Rock. We're not going to cover the whole book. You'll be glad to know. I see some sighs of relief. But I have it all recorded on the, on the website on experiencethebigbook.org. I've recorded uh, several at home, several we did here. There's so much information what we're going to do today, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. So uh, for those uh, who don't have the book, I'm just going to read. It starts with, uh, it ends with Mary telling the person who's swimming to the boat, drop the rock because you're sinking. And, and in, in the beginning, we don't even know what our rock is when we come here. Did anybody know what their rock was? I did know what it was, but it wasn't me. It was, it was them. And I had a rock around me, and they were, they were dragging me down. Well, that wasn't true. Uh, I did it myself. And, and as we, as we uh, get humble and willing and we work steps uh, four and five, we see our old ideas. We see uh, what we're holding on to. Six and seven is being able to, to change the way we live. Anybody want to change the way you live? We have a famous member who says, if we don't change, our sobriety date will, right, Ed? And, and, and if we don't change every minute how we think and see things, our days turn to crap. And you could be sober 30 years and still have a screwed up life. And six and seven is how, if you work it, your life has to get better, has to get better. So it says, uh, this member, Mike, shares his experience with Dropping the Rock, which you can order on Amazon. It's only like eight bucks. and I've bought a million through the years. Before its discussion of step four, the big book says our liquor was but a symptom. Does everybody agree? 
A symptom of what? See, when, when you have a patient and they have a symptom, they have chest pain and cough, but that's not their disease. So you have to look deeper and you do an x-ray and you see a little spot and then you do a CT scan and you see this big mass. See, that's what's causing their symptoms. So what's causing my symptom that liquor became a solution, a symptom of the spiritual malady, my separation from God, my self-centered life, which made me emotionally miserable at times. Anybody else? And when I was emotionally miserable, as we saw in our barometer in the Big Book goals, we have a, we have a thermometer, every alcoholic. And it goes up and it's degrees. And at a certain level, you don't have to drink yet when your emotions. And another level, somebody else drinks, but you don't. But you have your own level that when your emotions reach a certain level, you have no defense against alcohol. So we better figure out a way to deal with our emotions differently than we did before, right? It says, so we had to get down to the causes and conditions. So the causes and conditions of the spiritual malady. A thorough inventory reveals those causes and conditions. And we, in the thorough inventory, we face and we want to be rid of the things blocking us from God. Anybody else want to do that? Well, we don't know what they are. So I suggest you do a four step. And the four step talks about three things that block us from God. Our resentment, our fear, and our harmful conduct, especially in our sex relationships. And we want to reveal the causes and the condition of my unmanageable life. That's what I wrote. What are the causes and conditions of my life being unmanageable? Now, if I don't if I don't know the causes and the conditions, then I can't change, right? And so if I want to change, I have to understand. Now, step six and seven, I wrote, is the condition is removed. But it's, it, your condition never goes away. It has to be removed when it comes up. So I have to face and remove the things that are blocking me all day long. Sorry, you don't, you don't, get, you don't get perfect here. You may not get better unless you do six and seven, but you have to face and be rid of things all day long that are blocking me. Like when Mark was giving me crap about Zion, I had to forgive him. You know, he, he just doesn't know. Uh, he's, he's, you know, I love Mark, but you know, uh, you know, he, he was making fun of Zion, and we know Zion is the, is the next coming. Uh, I'm a Duke fan for those listening to the podcast, and it was a tough one last night. You almost lost me there. Uh, anyway, I'm getting back to this. Uh, so the fifth step allows us to share them with God and another human being and so remove the inner pain they have caused in our past lives. Now, how can you remove the inner pain by sharing them with God and another human being? They're not inside you anymore. They're on paper, and you can see them. And if you can see them, then, you, then they, the truth will set you free. And they don't have power anymore when they're on paper. They have power when they're in your mind. He rose, after finishing my fifth step, I discarded the inventory, but kept a single page that listed my major <coughs> character defects. And it may be good to discard it, but it may not. Just make sure you don't have it where somebody you love can see it. That was a, it's true, it's true. Yeah, it's your inventory, and you have to be careful who you share it with. 
So we list the major character defects. Now, that, how do they come out of the fourth step? Well, it's the fourth column that people talk about. You may not be new. You may be new and not know what that is, but on page 67, when we look at our resentments, they ask the questions, what were my mistakes? Now, I hear a lot of people say, say I want to know what my part is, but I heard some speakers say that we, we have all the part in our resentment. Nobody else has a part. I don't have to be angry, right? And, and so it's what were my mistakes, and the mistakes is, to me, what actions did I take as the result of my character defects? And so when I look at my fourth column, I, say, I have to ask myself, what did I do? You know, did you get drunk every night and that's why she left you? You know, could be, right? Uh, were you were you cheating order and that's why she left you know you hate her because she left you everybody will tell you that and they'll give you ten reasons but when you talk to them well maybe I shouldn't have been drugged every night and maybe I shouldn't have cheated you, know, you see see how it works what did you do and then it asks the questions where was I dishonest and considerate fearful self-seeking and in the sex inventory inconsiderate and you could also take this 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 inventory and you could look at the left hand side and wherever you are this you're going to do something that's going to cause the resentment so the first time he said i read step six i thought it meant i had to arrive at some angelic state of mind in which i become and forever remain entirely ready to have god remove all my defects I'd forgotten that AA promises spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. And I don't think you ever get entirely ready to get rid of all of this. Now, you may be entirely ready to get rid of one of them today, but you've got another one on the back shelf. You know, I, I'll take care of that one, God. And I don't think I ever got entirely ready to get rid of all. I want to be entirely ready, but I'm probably not. And that's what they mean by uh, we don't get perfect. And it says the 12 it's 12 sets, sets you right. It calls step six AA's way of stating the best possible attitude one can take in order to make a beginning of this lifetime job. Now, step six and seven only have two paragraphs in the big book, but they're the most important steps. Now, why did they do that? I mentioned it last week. I think because Dr. Bob, when he worked with newcomers, they had a sheet which had... Uh, these things listed and they would go through the day and check whenever they occurred so they they were doing this all the time and they had that little red book and Betty's uh, probably seen it they had those little charts and you would fill it out and check it and then you go over with someone at night and see and then you would ask God's forgiveness and what corrective action so they were doing it all the time so it was part of the deal so when they wrote the book they didn't go into a lot of detail uh, what's the best possible attitude? I wrote, my best possible attitude is each minute to become willing whenever I'm disturbed. So whenever I'm disturbed, I have to be willing to change. Now, you can be disturbed and enjoy it. I mean, I lived a whole life like that. It's not a lot of fun. So now, I don't want to be disturbed. I, in fact, I get upset with myself when I'm disturbed. Anybody else do that? Because we're alcoholics, we have to be perfect, right? So we're not allowed to be disturbed. Well, of course we're going to get disturbed. That's, we're self-centered. And so we, we, we become willing 
to become undisturbed. So that's the best possible attitude. And how do you become willing when you're disturbed, when you're humble, when you have humility? When you have humility, you realize that you don't have the power to get undisturbed. That's the other thing. I, was, I wanted to fix myself all the time. Anybody else out there, fixers? Yeah. The big book says that we don't have the power. Anybody ever read page 62 with selfishness? Anybody ever read that page? Pretty good. It says we, we wanted to be rid of uh, selfishness, right? Because it's going to kill us. And it said God makes that possible. It said we had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not rid ourselves of our selfishness. So that's another thing I have to remember all the time. So the best possible attitude is that whenever I become disturbed, I turn to God. To me, that means six steps, step six is not a one-time matter. It stretches over a lifetime of recovery. Now, what I'd like to understand and, and uh, study is people who stayed sober a long time and have never worked the steps and see what's going on in their mind all day. Because if they have what I have, it must be a mess. You know, I have to do this. If I don't do this, I get disturbed and, and I get old ideas. And then I get separated from God. So I, I, maybe I'm the only one that needs this. But if you're really alcoholic and you read the big book, it says that we have to do it all the time. <coughs> the best possible attitude is always just the beginning. So one morning he was at the Hazleton's Fellowship. He awoke very early and knew it was time to make that beginning. I took out the list of defects, read it over, and asked myself two questions. Why are you holding one of these things? And what did they ever do for you? And, and um, I do that with this every morning. I have this card. Uh, before my knee got bad, I used to do the elliptical or, uh, exercise bike every day. And this is right on there. So when I turn it on, I start looking. I look at this. I pray. I, I want to be on the right-hand side, not the left. I want to have God remove these when they occur. I want to be a different person. You can do it any way you want, but it's really good to focus on this. Because I know that if I'm on the left-hand side, how do I feel? Restless, irritable, game, guilt, shame, and discontent. Anybody agree with that? And how do I feel when I'm being the person God created? Peaceful, serene, loving content. Now here's a question you ask new people. They don't want to work the steps. You know they're not that bad yet. I said, okay, where do you want to be? <laughs> Remember we have the, the, the uh, kit of spiritual tools and then we have the kit of self tools. You could pick up either one. Which one has worked better for you? You see, it's a simple question, uh, but it, it's, it's difficult for people to see, see the truth. So uh, I may choose to hold on to them for fear of letting go. I don't know. They're just part of our nature. They're what I think. Remember, we worship our reasoning and what we think, and we don't want to change our minds. Who knows? So I got on my knees and recited the big book, Step Prayer, which asks God to help in replacing our willfulness for his will for us. And the 12 and 12 cause that replacement, a basic ingredient of humility. And we don't talk about humility enough. We talked about it some Wednesday night. But humility is what drives my willingness if I'm not humiliated and humble and understand that without God I'm nothing, I won't be willing to do whatever length. 
So when people aren't willing to go to anything like, they're not humble yet. So what my sponsor Cliff used to say is, get them, buy them more booze. You know, we, we have to be beaten, what does it say? Beaten into a state of reasonableness. Alcohol is the great persuader. It beats us into a state of reasonableness. Now some people, you know, you've seen fighters that never go down. They just keep standing, they keep getting punched and punched and punched, and I think that's what a lot of us are. You know, we're in the 10th round and we're getting the crap beat out of us and we're still in there with our gloves up, you know? And alcohol is, is telling us, please, drop the gloves. But the basic ingredient of all humility, and I wrote, asking God's help in replacing my will with his will, I need God's help. And so that, that to me is what I have to remind myself every morning. Does anybody pray immediately when they wake up? If you do, that's a form of humility. I need God's help today. Now that won't make my day perfect. I still have to do six and seven, but it's an admission. It makes me willing. I went, he says, I went to Hazleton for treatment because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anybody sick and tired when they come in here? I believe we get active with step six when we get sick and tired of being sick. Sick and tired of the character defects of which alcoholism is a symptom sick and tired of their effect, not on our past, but on our present lives. You see, we're not looking at the past in steps six and seven. We're looking at the present moment. Anybody get tired of being frightened? Anybody get tired of being judgmental? Anybody get tired of being disturbed? In, in this ongoing process, the program is this, asking us to go where none of us have ever been before, into lives of lessened fear, diminished anger, fewer resentments, and genuine self-esteem instead of self-pity. See, this is how you build self-esteem, by living on the right-hand side. Now, now, Joe and Charlie said something that really opened my mind. When you get to six and seven, you have to be responsible for your life. You can't blame anybody anymore. And I don't know about you, but did anybody practice judgment? Anybody get good at this? See, we practiced the left-hand side. I was really good at this. I was kind of an all-pro. I knew it was wrong with everybody. I still do, but I'm not going to tell you today. And here's the deal. He says we have to practice something else. But we don't stop practicing this till we're willing to stop and ask God to help change us. And I don't think I'm aware of this till I work step four and five, and I'm not aware of it every day unless I'm praying and seeking God. Then I get back into the, the old Michael and it just becomes normal. This is just the way it is. And I wrote, uh, I must take ownership if I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. Remember that? And that's what they're talking about. And he says, there is a price that has to be paid, the willingness to challenge and change patterns of thought, speech, and behavior that may have been gone unchallenged for 10, 20, 30 years or more. That's what we're really doing. You're letting go of your old ideas, you're dropping your rock, you're challenging your thinking. You say, I'm disturbed, I'm judging Mark because he said something about Zion. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to change my mind, right? Why? Because I'm disturbed. Yeah, Zion's pretty good. I heard that back there. And so we want to challenge and change our patterns. And I wrote, I remember that we practiced our character defects. Now I have to practice the opposite. And six and seven to me is living in the solution. 
People talk about, are you living in the solution, you're living in the problem. Six and seven is where you stop living in this problem at every moment and you live in the solution. These stories from Mary and Mike are good illustrations for better understanding of working the six and seven steps. The first five steps have supplied the foundation for recovery. The next two steps begin the active, day-to-day -day solution, removing what blocks us from our usefulness to other people and to our higher power, and especially what blocks us from ourselves, our true nature. Now remember, six and seven is in a chapter called Into Action. Anybody, anybody remember that? It's not into thinking or into praying, it's into action. Six and seven are the most important action steps. There are four basic reasons why we don't work steps six and seven. I like these. The first is a conscious decision that we will never give up a specific character defect. That happens. Two, this is a good one. I don't know if you've ever done this. We blame our defects on others. People, situations, institutions. Here's another one. We rationalize. Our capacity to rationalize is unlimited. I think that's true, isn't it? We could do the most craziest things and rationalize it to ourselves. Before recovery, we spent years on this one, throwing up barriers against unpleasant realities, because if you're rationalizing something, you're not seeing the truth. Finally, this is a great one, it's denial. I heard the speaker said denial does, says, don't even know I am lying to myself. And if you live in denial, you're not living in the truth. And the truth sets you free. If you're in denial, you're in a bondage to your thinking. So why don't we do step six and seven? One, we make a conscious decision never to give up something, and that's our reasoning, right? Two, we blame our defects on others. Three, we rationalize. Four, we denial. And so when we get to six and seven, we can't do this anymore. We don't want to do it anymore. The order of the steps occurs for a reason. That's, uh, anybody believe that? Yeah. Uh, I love it when people are weak in and they're telling me about their amends and they didn't go well. And then they have a resentment and they go <laughs> on for 15 minutes at the meeting about it. <laughs> and I feel sad. I mean, they're not, we're not bad. We just don't know. You have to work them in order. He says there's not much use of doing our amends in steps eight and nine if there's no willingness to change by doing six and seven. Now that's so true. Because how many times in addiction did you say you're sorry but you had no intention of changing your behavior? And here's the thing, they know you didn't either. <laughs> and it's a bad situation when you're in that. It says working steps eight and nine is hollow unless we've begun the work the sixth step with humility as our guide. And humility of step six drives everything. It drives the amends. It drives every day if you're going to pray and meditate and inventory, right? It drives you whether you're going to work with other people. And it drives you whether you're going to practice the principles in all your affairs. Now, the promises that we read at some of the meetings come after the discussions of steps eight and nine. Let's look at the words of uh, Sam Shoemaker to gain some clarity on what the six and seven steps are asking us. Now, Sam Shoemaker is the one who was Bill's spiritual advisor. He ran the Calvary Church, which Roland Hazard went to after he saw Dr. Young in 1933 in Switzerland. And Dr. Young told him, you are hopeless. 
you're going to die, you have the mind of an alcoholic. He did say there are exceptions, there are people who have these spiritual experiences, but they're phenomenon, he couldn't explain them. So Roland says, well, I like to go to church. He says, that's not what I'm talking about. And so he went to uh, New York to the Cavalry Church, and Reverend Shoemaker had the Oxford Group. And he worked the Oxford Group steps and principles, and he was able to change. The Oxford Group, we took really most of uh, our spiritual walk comes from that Oxford Group, their six steps, what they were trying to do. They were trying to lead a life of fundamental Christian principles before they became rules in the first century. And so he, uh, uh, that's where Ebby Thatcher was when he went to see Bill. And uh, I have a book, Sam Shoemaker and the Big Book. It's 450 pages. Some guy went through Bill Shoemaker's writings and uh, how he influenced the Big Book. And most of uh, the stuff that we are amazed is in the Big Book and the way it's written came from Reverend Shoemaker. Bill W. actually wanted Reverend Shoemaker to do the, the steps. But he said, no, the steps have to be written, how it works has to be written by an alcoholic. And so Bill took the six steps of the Oxford group and made them 12. He said to fill in the loopholes, because alcoholics look for the loopholes. He said there are too many loopholes in the Oxford six steps. But we don't have very many loopholes in our, in our 12 steps, do we? There's really no loopholes. They follow each one and the other. He wrote the necessity of making daily surrender. I have to daily surrender my will, my defects, my old ideas, my plan. The sixth step is about surrendering, just like the third. And he makes this point, we surrender as much of ourselves to as much of God as we understand. It's in, it's in bold print. I'd like people to talk about that afterwards. What does that really mean? Surrender as much. I think we grow in our understanding of God the more we seek him. And the more we seek God and the more we know God, the more we know what isn't God in us. So we're, we see more all the time. More will be revealed. So, you know, your fourth and fifth steps don't have to be a perfect fourth and fifth step. You know, we're alcoholics, right? We have to have the most resentments and all this other stuff. It's just the beginning of a spiritual journey. Our spiritual progress is directly, is based in direct proportion to our dropping the rock. You remember we read uh, in Acceptance of the Answer, the, uh, our resentments, our serenity is, serenity is inversely proportional to our expectations, right? Anybody agree with that? Uh, I will in a minute. Uh, our spiritual progress is in direct proportion to our dropping the rock. The more I drop the rock, the more I seek God, the more I grow. We're very fortunate all of our defects aren't revealed to us at once. Uh, I see more defects all the time. Is anybody else? I also see things that I did in the past that were the result of my defects. And I said, why did I do that? And I know. I was self-centered. I was managing my life. And uh, I made decisions based on self, which harmed me and others. Recovery works by giving us daily insight into what we can do to remove what blocks us. So I wrote, the more I drop, the more I progress, the more... Uh, the more I hang on, the worse I feel. So if you feel bad, you're hanging on to your rock. Good job. And they make the point, we're responsible for our day. That's why somebody said, did you have a good day? I said, I, I can, all my days should be good. 
I only have a bad day when I make it bad. We need a daily awareness that our character defects are opposite of the principles of the program. I'm going to stop in a minute or two, but uh, next week we're going to look at the principles. What are the principles we practice in our affairs? Shoemaker also passed on the early AAs the idea that God reveals as much truth as you can live up to. I think that's true. And so, and, and we get more truth the more we grow. And I see why. I, I'm sure Betty will see things differently at 40 years than she did at one year of recovery. Right? Mark has said his thing. People say it. Right? We all do. I see things different today than I did two months ago. That statement puts us directly on page 164, which says, the answers will come if your own house is in order. So we have to get connected to God, and then the answers come. The six steps help me do that. Sometimes six and seven are the forgotten steps because they aren't talked about that much. Others call these steps the most important, but perhaps the whole program is about six and seven. Uh, we'll finish with this. By working the six and seven steps, we are less likely to recover to stay stuck in old, unproductive, negative behavior patterns. I think this is why you have a sponsor. So when you're having a bad day, you can call him and tell him what's going on, and he can say, change your mind. You know, you're seeing it wrong. You're seeing something differently. We gain more understanding how the steps need to be worked together. And I love this. This prevents me from falling into the trap of understanding only just enough of the program to make me miserable and not enough to make us happy. Some of us might fall in the trap of thinking the support system of the fellowship is the entire program of action. The action of six and seven culminates in dropping the rock. All the stubborn, grasping, stupid, holding on to old patterns of behavior, thinking, and feeling that are harmful to our progress or recovery and harmful to me. Remember, I'm the one that harms myself. Selfishness, as I said, is the root of my troubles. And it says, uh, uh, it's not the result. All my problems are my own making. Anybody believe that? Well, they're still true today. I'm going to stop there. And uh, we'll pick it up if you can bring the handout. There's a few more pages, and I'll have, I'll have some other information next week. So I gave plenty of time. I stopped the 30 minutes set. It says nobody can concentrate after 30 minutes. Thank you. Uh, and come tomorrow night. We're going to have a really good meeting. Thanks, everybody.